no matter how you spin it, you can't avoid the fact that an English speaker is always at least one step removed from the Bible. Translations are always an interpretation. They often depend on the theological leanings of the person doing the translation. So, to read the actual words of Scripture, you have to learn Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. But even if you learn Greek, you're still a little bit removed from what the Bible is actually saying. The genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, for example, the names of Jesus' ancestors are in Hebrew. Those names have actual meanings, but you only have access to those meanings if you understand Hebrew. The bottom line, to grasp the fullness of Scripture, you have to include a study of the languages that Scripture was written in. But in the end, you'll be deeply rewarded. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Hello, this is Father Dustin with another episode of The Way. So this episode is going to be a little different. Typically what happens is we have a lectionary reading in the Orthodox Church, and if the podcast is going to be about that reading, I release the podcast the week after the reading. In this case, I'm releasing a podcast about the upcoming lectionary reading in the Orthodox Church. That's because next Friday, when I normally release my podcast, it's Christmas, And so I want to do a special episode for Christmas. So instead of dealing with the Sunday before Christmas, then I'm going to deal with it now. I thought it only made sense. So the reading for this upcoming Sunday is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah that comes from Matthew chapter 1. And every Orthodox priest always dreads this Sunday because it has all those long names in it. I think every priest dreads this lectionary for two reasons. One, he has to pronounce all those names. But two, what is he supposed to preach about? A list of names isn't exactly a narrative that makes it easy for people to comment on. It's hard to get a sermon out of just a list of names, or so we think. As my bottom line, or my thesis said in the opening of this podcast, those names actually have meaning. And I think Father Mark and and Dr. Richard Benton have covered this on the Bible as Literature podcast, or maybe Father Paul Tarazzi has covered this sort of thing too. But I think this is a good time to reinforce things that they've already been saying. After all, we're all a part of the Ephesus school. And the point is, is that those names are a lot like, if you want to think about hippies in the 60s. So they would name their kids things like peace or flower And obviously, those names have meaning in English. But if you spoke Chinese, for example, you wouldn't hear peace as peace. You would just hear sounds that make up a name. You wouldn't understand what peace means in the English language, unless that Chinese speaker also spoke English. And it's the same with these names in this genealogy. All these names mean something. And when you string it together, it actually tells the Old Testament story. 
but you wouldn't know that unless you knew Hebrew and you could understand these names. Or when you heard the names, you weren't just hearing names, you were hearing words as well. So let's go about this this way. I'll read the list of names, and excuse me if I make any mispronunciations, but I'll read the list of names as we normally hear it, as it is in our English translations typically. And then what I'll do is I'll reread the list of names, except I'll translate them. I have a list of translation, so you could hear how this might sound to a Hebrew speaker, someone who's not just hearing names, but is also hearing words, and you'll see how different it is. And then I'll make a few comments on a few of the names to show you how these names tell the story of the Old Testament. But if you want to do the whole thing, the entire uh, list, I'm going to leave that to yourself. After all, I encourage everyone to constantly be reading Scripture, and it won't hurt you to go and look up these names and to think about where they appear in the Old Testament and what's happening. So that'll be good for all of us. So here's Matthew chapter 1 as we normally hear it on Sundays. This is the birth record of Jesus Christ, who was a descendant of David, who is a descendant of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. Their mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashan. Nashan was the father of Solomon. Solomon was the father of Boaz. Rahab was his mother. Boaz was the father of Obed. Ruth was his mother. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. His mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jerome. Jerome was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amon. Amon was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time when the people of Israel were carried away to Babylon. After the people were carried away to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheatiel. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud. Abiud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azar. Azar was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Achim. Achim was the father of Elihud. Elihud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathen. Mathen was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, who is the mother of Jesus, called the Messiah. So then, there were fourteen sets of fathers and sons from Abraham to David, and fourteen from David to the time when the people were carried away to Babylon, and fourteen from then to the birth of the Messiah. So that's the reading as we typically hear it in English, with maybe a few exceptions on how some of those names may or may not be pronounced uh, in English. But as I said, each of those names have a specific meaning. And I think we all know in some sense that all of our names have meaning. And perhaps you did this in elementary school. You had to go and look up what your name means. 
but in English we don't often think or hear the words behind the names. Unless maybe you have like a last name named Johnson, and obviously we can hear John Son, John Son, the son of John. But most of our names, at least our first names, for example, we don't often hear the meaning. We just hear it as a name. But Hebrew doesn't work that way. Like I said, Hebrew in many ways is like the way the hippies named their children, peace and flower and all these sorts of things. Let me read the names again, except this time I'm going to translate them for you so you can hear them as words. And this is going to be a bit odd. It's going to push against the grain a little bit. But I think you'll see how it actually tells a very interesting story. So here it is. An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And obviously, even that beginning right there, Jesus means he who saves, and Messiah means one who is anointed. So you could do an account of the genealogy of the one who saves, the anointed. You could start that way if you wanted to. But here's the names. The father of a multitude was the father of he laughs, and he laughs the father of the supplanter, and the supplanter the father of he shall be praised. And this is what Judah is, and this could also mean Judas. These hearers would have also heard this in the names. So, the supplanter is the father of he shall be praised and his brothers, and he shall be praised the father of the breacher, and rising by palm tree, and the breacher the father of surrounded by a wall, and surrounded by a wall the father of height, and height the father of people of liberality, and the people of liberality the father of the serpent enchanter, and the serpent enchanter the father of the garment, and the garment the father of fleetness by wide, and fleetness the father of the slave by friendship, and the slave the father of I possess, and I possess the father of king beloved. Here beloved is David. So if you've gotten lost in the list, this is where we're at. We're at King David now. And beloved was the father of peace by the wife of the Lord is my light, and peace the father of a people has enlarged, and a people has enlarged the father of my father is the Lord, and father is the Lord, the father of injuries, and injuries the father of the Lord has judged, and the Lord has judged the father of the Lord is exalted, and the Lord is exalted, the father of my strength is the Lord, and my strength is the Lord, the father of the Lord is upright. And the Lord is upright, the father of the possessor. And the possessor, the father of the Lord is my strength. And the Lord is my strength, the father of causing to forget. And causing to forget the father of strong. And strong, the father of whom the Lord heals. And whom the Lord heals, the father of the Lord will establish and his brothers at the time of deportation to Babylon. So now we're at the point where God has destroyed Israel and sent them into exile in Babylon. So here's where the list picks up at that point. And after the deportation to Babylon, the Lord will establish was the father of, I have asked of God. 
and I have asked of God the father of Son in Babylon. And Son in Babylon, the father of my father is majesty, or father of Judah. And my father is majesty, the father of God raises up. And God raises up the father of the helper, or grace. The helper, the father of righteous. And righteous, the father of brothers. And brothers, the father of God of Judah. And God of Judah, the father of God has helped. And God has helped the father of a gift. And a gift, the father of the supplanter. And the supplanter, the father of the Lord has added. The husband of rebellion, of whom the Lord is salvation, that's Jesus, was born, who is called the Anointed. So all the generations from the father of a multitude to beloved are 14 generations, and from beloved to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, or the Anointed, 14 generations. Now that list may have sounded very awkward. And perhaps at some point after the first few, you're like, yeah, 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 I get it. But how does that work? Well, as I said, if you know the story of the Old Testament, you can see how the story unravels within the names in the story. The names are not accidents. Reading the Old Testament is much like reading poetry. The authors use specific words and specific names to make specific points. They're trying to say something. Or you could put it another way, God is saying something through the text to us. And that's what these names are. So even if you are a Greek speaker reading these names on the Sunday before Christmas in the Orthodox Church, what the text is doing is it's forcing you, if you're paying really close attention and you really want to grasp the text, it's forcing you to go beyond the Greek and back to the original Hebrew of the text. It's also forcing you to go back to the stories of the Old Testament. After all, the point is is that God was preparing humanity for Christ. He was preparing humanity for the birth of Christ. I think the very first name, the father of a multitude, makes a really good point. So as we all know, and I think this is true even in English, we all know that Abraham, which is what a father of multitude, the name is Abraham in Hebrew, We know that he is to be the father of many nations, and we all know that God created the covenant with him. And so, to learn that the name Abraham actually means a father of a multitude makes sense to us. After all, that's who he is. That's his story. It's about how God starts a covenant with Abraham to bring all the world to God, to make all of us a child of God. And it starts with Abraham. So in that sense, through faith, we all have Abraham as our father. So it makes sense that his name means a father of a multitude. Now it says, Abraham was the father of Isaac, or the father of a multitude was the father of he laughs. And if we know the story of Isaac, we know that Abraham and Sarah had Isaac when they were advanced in age. And when the angels, the three angels in Genesis first told Abraham and Sarah that Sarah would bear Isaac, we know that they laughed. They thought it was a joke. They didn't believe that that could be true because they were so advanced in their age. 
how could they have a child? But we know the text says that God did as he promised, and Sarah bore Isaac. And they named him Isaac precisely because Abraham and Sarah had laughed at the idea. And so the name Isaac means he laughs. It's interesting that the name that Isaac bears is a part of the story of his birth, and it's embedded within the text. And In other words, you could almost look at it as God is coming to Abraham and saying, I'm going to save all of humanity through you. I'm going to create everyone as a child of God through you, faith like yours. And we know this leads up to Christ, and we know how that works. And it's almost as if, to the original hearer, this sounds ridiculous. After all, we already knew about Noah and how the world had been destroyed by a flood. We know about Adam and Eve and how they fell and were cast out of the Garden of Eden. We know about the Tower of Babel and how humanity again had failed God. So now to hear God say, don't worry about it, I'm going to create a covenant and make everyone a child of God, it sounds ridiculous. Because up to that point, that's not what we had seen in the story. As I said, I'm not going to go through each and every name because... There's so many here. And I also want to encourage all of you to get into the text. Get your hands dirty, if you will. Uh, Learning a little Hebrew, a little Greek. And you may wonder, how do I do that? Well, you do that with a good Bible dictionary. Uh, So you you can get a Bible, and then get a Bible dictionary, or you can find these online. And when you look up some of these names, such as Abraham, or Isaac, or Jacob, or Rebecca, or David, or Solomon or any of these names, a good Bible dictionary will tell you what these names mean. So you can start to piece it together. And of course, if you have a Bible dictionary, you can also probably find out where these names appear in the Old Testament. And you can go back and read their stories. So I'll let you get your hands dirty doing that. But I'm going to quickly walk you through uh, after the deportation of Babylon up to uh, the Messiah. Because I think this especially tells a particular story. So, you recall, the deportation to Babylon was essentially in exile. The kings had failed to take care of the least vulnerable people in society. And as a punishment, God had exiled them out of the land. Then, as you go on in the list, it says, The Lord will establish was father of, I have asked of God. And I have asked of God the father of, sown in Babylon. Now, remember, the people are in Babylon. Something's being sown there. Perhaps we can understand it as the word of the prophets, because we know the prophets spoke from Babylon, or spoke to the Judeans and the Israelites explaining why they were in Babylon. In other words, the word of God is being sown even in Babylon. And a part of that is what Isaiah is saying about a suffering servant, about a king being born, all those prophecies we read leading up to Jesus' birth. And then it goes on. And sown in Babylon, the father of my father is majesty. My father is majesty, the father of God raises up. And God raises up, the father of the helper. And the helper, the father of righteous. So here we see these things. We see something happening in Babylon. Something's being prepared for. Even though they're in a foreign land, even though they're under a king who worships foreign gods, Something's happening. It says that God is raising up. God is a helper, or the other way to think about it is as grace, and there's righteousness there. So something's happening in exile. And then uh, jumping ahead, it says, 
one of the names is God has helped, is the father of a gift. Now, a gift, this is uh, Mathan, who is the father of uh, Jacob, and Jacob is the father of Joseph, right? So it's interesting that this gift is coming, even though they're not where they want to be, even though politically they don't have a nation of their own, and by this time they're under the Romans, having gone from the Babylonians to the Persians to the Greeks to the Romans, with a small country of their own in the middle there. Something is happening. God is gifting them with something. And ultimately, that someone who is born is the Lord of salvation. That's Jesus Christ. But if you understand the names, and you read the names about the exile, you can see how God is preparing the people for the birth of Christ, even in a world that seems upside down. So the names are much more than just an identifier of a person, but they tell a story. In this case, it tells the story of how God prepares his people for Jesus, even when things look bleak. And I think that's the message we need now more than ever. As we study scripture and we dig into the original languages and the text, we see the hope of Jesus Christ springing through, even in a world that may be as dark as ours, even if we are struggling to survive, even if we are struggling to see hope and joy and peace in the world, even if we can't get together to hug our friends and families or see them at holidays, God is still there at work. And that's why understanding these names is so important. And that's why it's so important to understand Scripture so that we can hear this message, the message that God is trying to tell us. So that's the genealogy for this coming Sunday. I pray that God does bless you. I pray that you are able to dig into Scripture and that it bears much fruit for you. And remember to walk the way from what you learn. This is Father Dustin. I'll see you next week. God bless.